We love having our kids read scripture, don't you? I, I love it. Um, you read it so well, and it's an excellent opportunity for them to um, um, get accustomed to being up here and, and helping us out in our worship services. And that's one of the things that I'm really proud about our church, and the involvement of youth and everyone. <clears throat> because, you see, worship is a family thing. It's not, it's not the... Um, um, the uh, the prerogative of a few who have certain skill sets. It is family worship, which means everyone gets to be involved. And you know, um, worship is not something that just happens here on stage. Worship extends from here all the way across to the uh, to the parking lot of our. Uh, of, of our church and to the homes of those of you that are joining us um, via the internet uh, today. That's what worship is. It's family worship. It's not a worship of the few. Bow your heads uh, with me as we um, just kind of reset here for, for a minute. We pray for the preaching of the word. Father God, here we are, your people. Once again, we find ourselves at the end of this week, oh God here, where you have called us to be, despite the difficulties, despite the things that are going on around us and perhaps even inside of us. We are here. You've called us to be here. And we find ourselves thirsting once more and hungering once more for your word of life. And so we ask, oh God, that you would bring it in the mighty, through the mighty wind of your spirit, that it may be found stirring in our hearts, stirring in our midst today. In Jesus' name, amen. Take this off. I'm like Ken, I, you know, I fog up. Um, and maybe one day they'll, they will make one that doesn't fog up your, your eyeglasses, Ken, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> well, as I said, the new year is a time for new beginnings, and um, it is a time for making fresh attempts of stripping ourselves of a few more pounds that we've gained, not just you know, through the holiday season, but through the two years of these pandemic. Um, you know, the pandemic has not been kind with my tummy, for sure. Um, I've gained a few pounds the last couple of, couple of years. But New Year is a time for new beginnings and fresh attempts at uh, stripping ourselves of some of the unwanted parts of, of, a, of, our, of us, of ourselves. Whether it is our individual selves or perhaps even of our collective selves as a church, as a family of ferreting out our, some of our, uh, the undesirable elements off of our lives. And um, why not? Uh, my friend here talked about, about uh, um, um, you know, New Year's, New Year's resolution last, last week and all of the, you know, the, um, the top 10 uh, resolutions through the years. They happen to be almost, almost the same, right? And my New Year's resolution is, uh, you know, not really any different than, than yours, perhaps. Why not? Why not? Hope springs eternal. There's always hope. 
and where you can press, whenever you can press the reset button, there's always hope. Otherwise, isn't God the God, our God, the God of second chances? He always gives us a new beginning. And at the beginning of each year, as it is with this year, we get to start over, praise the Lord, and hope for a better version of us, a better version of you. I have my hope as well. My hope is that someday, very soon, I will rid myself of my love handles, <laughs> which has been easier to add to than to shed uh, of, of late. Um, and I believe I brought that on to myself somewhat, started baking and you know, you know, the, the rule of thumb for me is I don't do, when it comes to doing stuff in the kitchen cooking, I don't cook anything that I don't like to eat. And in other words, I'm the first one that eats what I cook. And I love what I cook because I cook for the, my taste palate. And they're really good for me. And then I get to share it and test to see how you like it. And that's how I do it. So, um, but that's created some problems for me because my love handles have been growing. And I want them to be gone. So to start off this year, here's what I've, start, I've done. I started, I started off on a 30-day fast, not a complete fast, uh, but it's a fast from the, what I call the unholy trinity, the unholy trinity of rice, sweets, and ice cream that seem to bedevil my taste palate. <laughs> they're not unholy in and of themselves, they're unholy to me because I can't seem to stay away from them. So, but you know what's happened is that seven days on, I have already hit my first speed bump. <laughs> Don't you hate it sometimes when that happens with your, you're starting off so good, so well, and your New, your New Year's resolution, you're, you know, you're, you know, you're, uh, you're running and, and you're galloping and all of a sudden there's a speed bump and then you fall down. Yesterday, I had a sudden craving. I picked up the phone. I was in my study and across uh, the way from here and I ordered my favorite fish burrito. Yes, from Flaming Burrito right over here. Um, and so I picked up the phone and I said, hello, yes. Um, I'd like to order my fish, uh, a beer-battered fish burrito, please. Uh, and I'd like that to go. Yes, who is this? Who is this? Uh, my name is Mel. Oh, yes, Mel, the fish burrito guy. <laughs> May I have my burrito, please, with chips and two cups of medium sal salsa? And so my, you know, my, uh, uh, I started salivating. Fifteen minutes later, I went to pick up my, uh, my order, and I and drove back to, the, uh, to my study and sat down to eat, to begin to eat. And as soon as I took my first bite, I remember, uh-oh, there's rice in this thing. <laughs> there's Spanish rice in this thing. So I said, what to do now? So there was a split second where, you know, I had to decide, should I, I could do, you know, maybe one or two things I could toss the whole thing away, why waste a good burrito? It's my favorite, and I just spent about 20 bucks buying it, and 
So I didn't go for that option, and, and there's another option is to scrape off and open up the, you know, the wrap and, you know, and, and scrape off the rice, but it's mixed in, and, you know, it's way down there. What am I going to do? Well, I decided to give myself a pass, and I decided that um, as soon as I took my first bite, I decided, oh, I'm just going to give myself a pass. I totally forgot. It's, this, is, this is not something that I, that, that's premeditated. It's just, it was just, uh, you know, I was, I was having a craving. I should have realized that whenever I have cravings for food, rice is bound to be in it. I have to be careful with that from now on, I, I suppose. So I ate my burrito with relish, all the rice in it, and did not allow myself a pinch of guilt and an ounce of sorrow. And it tasted really, really good. So now I, start, I have to start over. I have to start over. The new year is also a time of new beginning on the church calendar as now we take our eyes away from the holidays um, from and even not just you know, the, the uh, holidays in terms of you know, the festivities, but from Advent or the first coming of Jesus, from Christmas, from the birth of Jesus, to now turning our gaze to the life of the grown-up Jesus, all the way from his baptism to his death, and then to his resurrection. We follow him at every stage of his life, and to see what we can pick up from it, how we can grow with him as he walks the, uh, the face of this earth, as we follow his life in the Gospels. Unfortunately, um, today nobody is going to get baptized. I wish we had some people getting baptized today and, you know, baptistry full, filled with water and everything because today is baptism Sabbath. That is to say, we get to remember what baptism means and what Jesus' baptism really means and what your baptisms meant for those of you that have been baptized. Can you imagine with me what your baptism day was like? Can you still remember that day? And the sights and the sounds... And even the smell, the ambience of that day. And the things that happened surrounding that day that led you to that day. I want you to imagine what, what that was like all over again. And if you haven't been baptized, for those of you that are maybe thinking of getting baptized, let me know after the service today. I'd be very happy to talk to you. To imagine what it would be like to be baptized and why you would even think to be baptized. How crucial is baptism in the life of the Christian? According to our text today, Jesus Christ was baptized. And in other texts, which we're not going to read today, when, when John was actually, John the Baptist was you know, uh, was getting ready to baptize Jesus Christ, and he turns to Jesus Christ and he says, and he says, you come to me, and you're going to ask me to baptize you when I am in need of your baptism. And Jesus says, let it be so now that we may follow all righteousness. So Jesus Christ goes through his own, own baptism, perhaps a little bit differently than our baptism, but he goes through it anyway. And scripture tells us that his baptism was a crucial uh, turning point in his life as well because it ushered in his 
ministry here on earth. But his baptism also connects with our baptism. And the baptism that he wants to give you and me, as, as, uh, you know, as uh, uh, Luke reminds us here in, in the text that was read, that Jesus Christ is itching to baptize you with water and with fire. And I tell you, you know, the tradi traditional way of, uh, of um, understanding or translating or, or interpreting this text in Luke chapter 3 is that, you know, this is a prophetic um, utterance from John the Baptist warning us, warning us of the consequences of not giving our lives to Jesus Christ at the end of time when he will um, separate wheat from tares and the winnowing fork will toss wheat and tear you know, up in the air and the wind will blow the tares away and what's left will be those that give their lives to Jesus Christ. And I'm not here to contest that interpretation because that interpretation is correct. But there is more to this text than this interpretation and that is, you know, um, what we are going to be talking about here today. Our scripture tells us that baptism is crucial, that Jesus, uh, Jesus, by getting baptized, was not simply fulfilling all righteousness. The baptism that he had signaled a new beginning in his life. And the baptism that you had, if you still remember those, that day, signaled a new beginning in your life. You became a new individual, whether in thought or in fact, whether psychologically, you know, only uh, uh, to, to your mind is besides the point. The point is that in, from the perspective of God, you are a new person and your baptism began a journey of a lifetime that continues to this day. You have come a long way from your baptism, from your baptism day. Um, how long has it been for you? Can you count the years now, maybe the months or the years? How long has it been for you? You who've been baptized. It's been 34 years for me, yes. It's been a long time. And I still recall much of what happened that day as if it happened only yesterday. Because that day in my life propelled me to a life I never expected for myself. A life I never anticipated for myself. But all my life I had been, I had been dreaming of becoming a soldier and perhaps entering you know, the, the service and going. I was dreaming of going to the United States Military Academy. That was the dream of a lifetime for me. And the Lord yanked me away from that trajectory and made me his, his soldier. Instead, we have all come a long way. And I refuse to believe that all these years you've been with the Lord, you've repeated your first year over and over again. I refuse to believe that. Because as, 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 as the Lord is king, as the Lord is sovereign in, in our lives, he will refuse if you allow him, if you partner with him, he will refuse anybody repeating their first year over and over and over again. So, you know, it means 34 years, and actually it's 34 years the first you repeated 34 times. 
You have grown through a long and difficult process of pruning, of threshing, of winnowing, whatever those are, who's had the opportunity of winnowing or threshing here. Those are very foreign words to us who now live far removed from the agricultural settings of the day. Luke ties in, you know, Jesus' baptism and baptism in general with this metaphor, this metaphor of threshing, this metaphor of winnowing. I don't think anybody here, I don't mean, let me, I don't want to make, uh, to presume here, how many of you have ever actually done threshing before? Any grain threshing and winnowing before? Am I the only one? Well, Maria, bless your heart, Maria. Hi, ah, yes, yes. From, we have, our, our, I'm so sorry, I, 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 I'm escaping your name, uh, but, but, but from Africa somewhere, yes? Yes. And I have as well, when I was a little kid, I, at least I've attempt, I attempted to do it, and I wasn't very good at it. Um, so we really, most of us don't even know precisely what this means. Precisely what John in Luke chapter 3 means when he says, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Spirit and with fire. And then shortly after that, he switches, he switches the metaphor of baptism to a process of threshing, and he takes us through to, to the threshing floor where he wants us to understand what baptism means, what it means to you and me. He takes us to the threshing floor where grain is separated from the stalks, and later on, grain is separated, separated from the husks. A process which involves a lot of refinement, artistry, a lot of hard work. So we really don't know precisely what scripture means by this because we've never really, most of us, have engaged in this process. As I told you, I believe that this um, scripture here can be interpreted one of two ways. Or at least, you know, yeah, interpreted more than one way, I should say. It isn't just a a threat, or a reminder of what could happen to those who do not submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ at the end of time. It also describes the process of refinement that happens in our lives the moment we give our lives to Jesus Christ. That He takes us through a process of threshing, of winnowing. It is not a threat. It is a reality. He's telling us what he's going to be doing to us, what he is doing to us, both as individuals and also as a collective entity, as a church. That when we begin our lives with God, it is not all a bed of roses. It is on to the threshing floor. It is on to the winnowing places in our lives. The forks are being tossed. I mean, the, 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 the grains are being tossed with the forks in order to 
make sure that at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, or whenever that process ends, it's different for everybody, you will be looking a lot like the Lord whom you serve. And that is why baptism is such a crucial, crucial, crucial part of everyone's life. Because baptism starts that process for all of us. When has it been when you were baptized? Do you see yourself grinning from ear to ear, happy as a lark? You still see that passion that you had inside of you to partner with God, to do whatever it takes to work, to partner with God in order to transform the world for Jesus Christ. You didn't know how much stock still remained in you. You didn't know how much husk still remained in you. Stuff that Jesus Christ through the Spirit needed or need to, to take off of you, to separate from you so you can shine the way you ought to in the name of Jesus Christ. In order for us to understand what this all means and maybe capture the imagery here, I wanna, I wanna um, relate to you my own understanding of the wind and the winnowing fork, of the threshing process and of the winnowing process. You have in front of us, in front of you here, all of these uh, implements of, uh, of winnowing um, and I'm going to explain to you a little bit later what, you know, how they're, they're used, at least uh, uh, some of them. Um, but the way I grew up, um, you know, learning how to thresh or watching people in my life thresh the, uh, the grains and, and, and winnowing and, and stuff like that, it's really a, a two-pronged process or a two-stage uh, process. It's very, very intricate and it's very, very labor-intensive process uh, that requires not just a lot of hard work, perseverance, but it requires also a lot of teamwork, and it requires a lot of skill, and it requires a lot of, it's, 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 it's an art form. It really is an art form. Um, and it is perhaps the most poignant illustration we have of what the Lord through the Spirit means to do to you in your lifetime as you give your, uh, yourself to him, and as you, as you walk with him daily after you've been baptized. I had the opportunity of seeing this when I was a little kid. I, as, as I said to you, I did not uh, you know, stay in that village, obviously. Uh, I'm here now, but, but I got to see it when I was a little kid, and so the memories of it still you know, fresh on my, on my mind. And, and I remember even participating in it, and I wasn't very good, and I, you know... Um, uh, especially winnowing. Um, I, I'm getting ahead of myself, so let me just back off here and, and just go back and describe the process. To you. Here's how it starts. All right. Uh, there are many ways, of course, of, of threshing and winnowing. So the one I saw as a child involved two stages, two stages. The process, of course, started at the threshing floor. And, and, and in my village, a threshing floor is anywhere you could lay down a mat. And in my family, the mat consisted of a, a cow hide, about probably four feet to about four feet. And it folds neatly in half 
so that when you put it away, all you got to do is just fold it and, just, and, and put it away somewhere, somewhere safe where the dogs can't gnaw on it. Right? Um, so uh, when harvest season comes, and the first thing you do, of course, is you harvest, harvest you know, the grains, and, and, then, um, and then after that, you dry them in the heat of the sun. And then it, that takes weeks to dry. When it's sufficiently dry, then what you do is you take one bundle at a time, you go and take that mat, you, put, uh, you open up that mat, put it down on, on the ground, and then put your first bundle of grain in it with all the stalks all attached you know, and everything, and you un, 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 untangle or unwrap it or whatever, whatever it is, or you tie it together with, with, with a piece of string, so you untie that string, and then several women would surround that mat, and they would grab a, um, a hardwood, a, a, tub, a, 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 a elongated uh, hardwood that they use for pounding on that, you know, that, that crane with all the stalks attached to it. So three or four women, I was the fifth. I wasn't the woman, of course, but I was a little kid. I had my own, I had my own small, you know, pounding uh, 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 wood. And we would surround, we would surround that uh, mat, and we would pound it one at a time. You know, I think clockwise or counterclockwise, whatever it was. And then the, the ladies would start humming a tune. And then then one pounds here, and the the next one over there, the next one over there. And I'm over here, and I would pound as well. And you would do that until until you see dust rising, and and you start inhaling all this, you know, all this, you know. Uh, dust coming from the, from the ground, from all of that stuff separating, right? And then um, what you would do, what they would, the women would do is they would take a winnowing fork and would toss that in the air. And then the wind would blow the, the, you know, the um, stalks off of the mat and what you would have more or less right there on the mat are only the grains with still the, the uh, you know, uh, with still the, the husks on them. When that is done, what you do is then you pick up all of that grain and you put it in a basket like one of these beautifully, beautifully woven baskets here. And then, and then you transfer on. And I want to show you uh, the slides. Can you, can you just uh, show, uh, start showing one slide? Let me, let me see what the... You see, you see that hollowed out, that hollowed out, uh, um, what do you call that? Wood right over there. So you put a little bit of that in there. And then you, once again, the women would surround uh, that um, hollowed out um, log. And then they would start pounding at, on that again and start humming. And then I would join in with my little pounding uh, you know, wood and, and, and so on. And, and then when the, uh, the grain uh, is separate, uh, when, when the husks are separated from the grain, you take it out of that, of that wooden, hollowed out wooden uh, thing, and you put it in a basket like this one, only larger, maybe three or four times larger, and you start winnowing. You start winnowing like that woman is winnowing. Or the next one, the next, uh, the next couple of slides, over. One more. That woman, yeah. In my village, we would winnow outdoors because we, we like to have the wind help us out. And the wind, you would have your back against the wind or slightly, uh, you know, kind of at an angle against the wind. And then you would, you would grab this um, beautifully made uh, basket and you would do this. 
you would toss it in the air, and then you would oscillate from side to side, toss it in the air, oscillate from side to side, and then keep looking, keep seeing if there's any more husk left in there, toss, and that process goes on for hours as you empty out everything from that wood, hollowed out wood. And you keep doing that every day until all your harvest has been finished out and fully winnowed. This is probably, you know, the most refined way, the most intricate way. Uh, show, show the last, um, the last picture for me, please, of this little girl. When I saw this picture, when this, this picture was shared to me, I felt like, see, I, I saw myself. When I was a little boy, I did, this, I did the same thing. I wasn't very successful, so my mom stopped me because she found out that I was, she, was, she found out that, you know, that there, was a, there would be a lot, of, a lot of rice on the ground rather than just husk on the ground, and so she put a stop to it and said, you're not, you're not winnowing anymore. You don't have the skills quite yet. It is a beautiful artistry to see, you know, these people do that and to have the wind and sometimes when the wind is, is very, very uh, slight, there's not enough wind to blow off the husk, you use your breath. Can you imagine doing that? Makes you want to eat your rice, even appreciate eating your rice. That's probably how I appreciated eating my rice so much <laughs> because it is such an art form to produce rice without any husks on it. And you know, this imagery of threshing and winnowing is the imagery that, that, that Luke, that, that the, the scripture at least in this part of, our, of, of scripture in Luke chapter 3 wants you and me to understand that God wants to thresh you and winnow you not to beat you to the pulp, but to take out all the impurities from off of your lives and to make you like Jesus Christ himself. What areas in your life do you find need to be threshed out? What areas in your life you feel that God needs to winnow? That's between you and the Lord to see. But the point of the matter is that that threshing and that winnowing is happening here and now, not only at the very last day. As a matter of fact, I would venture to say that the winnowing or the threshing and the winnowing on the last day would not make sense if this process is not happening now in your life. Is it happening in your life? Have you been cooperating with God to thresh out all the impurities in your life. We're barely one week away from New Year's Day. And we can feel that we can start over. Go ahead and start over. If it makes you feel better to start over at the beginning of the year, go ahead and do it. It's not essential. God does it anyway, whether it's New Year or whether it's the end of the year. Because He loves you. And He wants to make you be pure as pure as he can make you in this side of eternity. That's what happens. Or that's what started happening when you were baptized many moons, many years 
ago. I've baptized many souls in my ministry. And some, bapti- uh, you know, some baptismal candidates, some individuals, uh, um, you know, pop out and are memorable. You know, um, one of them uh, is a young man by the name of Luis. That's not his real name. Luis stands out. He was a boy of about 11 years old, around 2013, 12. Um, my mother-in-law probably and my sister-in-law probably remember um, him. But if my father-in-law were alive today, he would remember him because he took him under his wings. Luis was an, uh, a young boy from Fullerton Church. Um, I remember this very distinctly because Luis was a very harsh, a very angry young boy. I mean, a little boy. Um, we had just ended a, an evangelistic series, and um, praise the Lord, 17 candidates uh, came out of, of that and for baptism, and his mom was one of them as well. And his family lived across uh, the street from, from the church, so they lived very close. And every week, they'd come to community services, uh, you know, needing help. And, and so the church would provide them whatever help uh, we, could, we could give them, and and we all loved on them every single week. And, you know, their entry to the church came through community services, um, which is also true in our church in many ways here. But Luis was a hard and angry boy, street smart. And he brought all of that anger and all of that smartness to church. Every single Sabbath. Well, we understood when we find, found out why he was like that. Because we understood that his dad was a very abusive dad. And his dad would beat his mom, beat the kids, would drink and beat, you know, the family. And it made Louise angry at the world. Um... But we all at the church all loved on Louise and the family and every single Sabbath. And my, my father-in-law, uh, you know, took specific liking to Louise and made sure that Louise got all the good attention that he needed every Sabbath. He t- taught him Sabbath school every single week. And so did my wife. And, uh, and then pretty soon, Louise started to see that he belonged and that he could trust the people at the church. And he started to mellow down. He still had his shenanigans, of course, and, and uh, you know, we didn't really care too much. Uh, my own son could tell you some of his mischiefs with his kid, I mean, with his friends uh, when, when we were still there. Like that one day when he, when he and his friends, uh, you know, went into the church's garage through an open uh, window way up there and created mischief inside the garage. And one day I find out about it, that um, somebody has, had tried to steal stuff from our garage, but was, were unsuccessful. I didn't realize until I got here that it was my son and his, and, his, and his friends trying to create a little bit of mischief for themselves. So I understand what mischief looks like. And we understood that Louise had to have a little bit of room to grow. And then one day, Louise out of nowhere said, Pastor, I want to be baptized. And so I took him through the process, prepared him for baptism, and when his baptism came, I coached him about, you know, what to do. 
Like, for example, you know, as those of you that I've baptized, you'll probably remember me coaching you as well. Okay? When I hold you and to get, get you ready to dunk you, I want you to bend your knees, all right? Not this. This, all right? Keep your feet to the ground, all right? Don't take me down with you. That's very important. I don't want to get rebaptized. <laughs> and that's very important to me. And actually, I, I remember being almost taken down by a heavyset, uh, a lovely, lovely fella who I, uh, and he's heavier than me, but at least, you know, twice, you know, the, the, you know, the, the amount of weight. And, and so he forgot, to, he forgot my instructions. So he did not bend the knee. And I dunked him and I almost went down with him, and I had the, the, the most difficult time, you know, resurrecting him from the dead. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was, but, you know, so I, I did that to Luis, and all my instructions flew over his head, and he forgot every single one of them, down to you need to bring your clothes, your baptismal clothes. He forgot that, too. And so he forgot to bring his underclothes, and and I didn't know about it. And he took his feet off the bottom of the baptistry and almost rebaptized me with him. Um, and then after I dunked him, rather than wading across the baptistry and up the steps, he swam away. <laughs> he swam away. It was a big baptistry, bigger than this one. It was long, so he had his swim, like maybe a la half of a lap, you know, something like that. And I was grinning from ear to ear. Well, nobody else saw it. Maybe, maybe the, you know, the, uh, um, you know, the, the deacon that was in charge of, of him saw, saw that. It was very, very pleasing. But uh, you're not supposed to swim away <laughs> from, your, from, from your baptism or from the baptistry. But something else also happened. Um... Somebody, whoever helped him put on his robe, put it, all, put it on backwards so that, you know, the buttons, there's not a zipper, this, that, the buttons were in the, on, on the back, um, in the back. And, 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 and so when that happened and started swimming away, all the buttons went, <laughs> I don't think he was meaning to moon me that day. But I saw... New life in a very different way. <laughs> I saw the beginning of a new life in a very different way. Luis swimming away, grinning from ear to ear, a fully transformed man with his bare back towards me. It was the funniest thing, the beginning of Luis's life. The threshing and the winnowing is much like that. It begins when you give your life to Jesus like Louise did that day. Anybody here wants to get baptized? I'll make sure that you have a deacon or a deaconess to walk you through and stay with you so nothing like that happens again. But through a lifelong process of spirit work and hard work, God wants to start it at your baptism and continue the threshing. And do don't be afraid of the winnowing and the threshing in your life. It is not a threat. It is a loving reminder that God so loves you that all the artwork that goes into this will be put at work for you.
to make you, to form you, to mold you into the image of Jesus Christ who died for you. Would you have it any other way? Would you have it any other way? Luis, I will never forget Luis. About a year afterwards, Luis disappeared from all our lives. His dad, forgive me for saying his deadbeat dad, forced his family to go back to Mexico with him because he was being deported. But every single one of the kids were born here. And we fought hard to keep them here. But the mother, who did not have the will to fight for her kids and to battle the dad, went with it, took the kids back. We would have been very happy to be the ones doing this With the wind blowing, taking all the chaffs off of Luis's life, we would have been very happy to be the ones doing this for Luis or with Luis. But the Lord took him from us. But I would like to believe that as he did that, he would have brought others as well in Mexico or wherever he is now to keep the process going. Because the love the Lord loves Luis, and he loves you. And he wants to keep threshing and winnowing in your life. Anybody wants to be baptized now? Don't be scared. I'll let you swim away. But there will be no putting the, the robe backwards. As we conclude our service today, just a quick reminder that, uh, you know, it is in this lifetime that the Lord wants to purify us. Really not in heaven. By the time we get to heaven, everything has already been accomplished here. And yes, everything will be enlarged and perfected over there. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.